0: Welcome back to Coffee, Cake, and Kegels. I'm your host, Stacey, and spooky season is upon us. So this is my most favorite time of the year. I just love Halloween, and I think I mentioned that last year at this time. Well, actually, in in October. So why is it my favorite time of the year? Truth be told, as a kid, I never liked to get dressed up for Halloween. I really didn't. Plus, my generation, we had the worst Halloween costumes ever. We had those plastic jumpers, you know? I remember one year I was Snoopy, and it was so uncomfortable. It was like a plastic jumper with a plastic mask. It was just... It was... It was torturous. But anyway, and if you really think about it, those costumes freaked people the fuck out. They were just so creepy. (sighs) Anywho. So with this time upon us, last year I did my ghost stories of the house I grew up in. So if you haven't listened to that episode, check it out. And this time I'm going to focus on a real life horror story. And that's the story of the Willowbrook State School. So a little history here. I went to the College of Staten Island, which is a borough in New York City, one of the five boroughs. So I went to the college there. And I don't know what possessed me. Well, I know what possessed me to do this. I needed a. Ugh, what I'm losing my train of thought. No, I, I'm not losing my train of thought. I'm completely losing the word. Uh, so I needed to take an art class, whatever you call that. So I had to take this art class, and I'm not, of course, I'm not like downplaying artists or anything like that, but I was going to school to be an English teacher. So I needed just this class to kind of complete a block of, you know classes that, you know, you just, you need those like extra classes, right? So I decided to take Art History. It was offered on a Friday night from 6.30 p.m. to 9.30 p.m. Who does that? First of all, why would a college even offer a class on a Friday night? Even That even just goes to show you that the professor doesn't have a life. And... Clearly, I didn't either. So I decided to take this class and it was dreadfully boring, miserable. I would go there. It was done in an auditorium-like setting. So there was lots of people in the class and he would shut the lights off so we could basically just watch all these slides of every you know, art piece and whatever. It was dreadful. It was miserably boring. I hated it and I just couldn't wait for the class to be over. Okay. That's just, that's just the history of what, you know, how I got to this place. So every night, now the college of Staten Island is huge. It's a huge campus. Um, it had like something like 5,000 students and only 2,000 parking spots when I was a student there. So that's completely absurd, you know? So I had to park on this, like, off-the-beaten-path gravel road kind of thing behind these buildings, and I would have to walk up this wooded path, creepy as hell, So, and not not to mention at night. So I would do this, and I would constantly feel something following me, something behind me, something breathing down my neck. It kind of made me feel like I did growing up in that haunted house as a kid, and I never quite understood it. Until I wound up getting an an after school teaching, not teaching, but like taking care of kids, helping them do their homework, kind of gig in a school. And my boss at the time, I loved her. She was so cool. She was telling me about the, you know, how she went to the college Staten island, and you know, she went there for teaching also, and she she's a teacher and. And all this great stuff and I'm grateful to her till this day because I became friendly with her son and we still are Facebook friends till this day and we used to hang out and all this stuff so she gave me my start you know she gave me my first job in education granted there wasn't much education going on because it was like after school but anyway I digress so she and I were talking and She was basically saying how she did her, um, her master's paper on the Willowbrook School. And she, now I had never, I mean, I heard bits and pieces, but I had never known the complete backstory of how this college came to be college, you know? I lived, I grew up in Staten Island my entire life. I had no idea that it had this sick, twisted history. So she had told me that it was a state school for the mentally and physically disabled, and they were basically mistreated terribly, and that there have been numerous sightings of ghosts, uh, moans and, and screams, that people just, they're like, they don't know where they came from. And she said to me too, that she felt very she went, you know, obviously she went for her master's all at night. And she said that she's like, Stacey, I hated parking there. I hated walking to my car, the whole thing. She goes, because I just had such an eerie, creepy feeling all the time. So I was like, okay, I'm not crazy. Which I know you guys are probably like, well, that's questionable. (laughs) And that's totally fine. Sometimes I question myself also. So When I also took a psychology, sociology combined class, so it was six hours and it was three hours in one, three hours in the other, I'll never forget the psychology teacher getting us in the classroom and he said, please do not drink the water in these buildings. It's contaminated. So I was like, what? I mean, I wouldn't drink from the water fountain anyway, but I, I just thought that's an odd thing to say and he said, yeah, there's a lot of, um, there were a lot of chemicals found underground, these underneath these buildings and everything. And I, I just, I don't recommend it. He said, and there's a lot of chemicals and everything. And if if you ever feel the need to have to go outside and get fresh air, please just get up and do that. He said, you know, I might do that, you know, during, during a lecture, he's like, so, you know, don't get nervous. He's like, but it's, it's sometimes oppressive here. And I was like, okay, well, that's, that's like a weird thing to say, you know, just, I don't know. So anyway, now I take a journalism class. And I loved that professor. He was young. He was cool. He was like, don't become a journalist. <laughs> so I was like, well, okay, I'm going to take your advice. But in any case, he ran the school newspaper. And he It was on Halloween, he brought this school newspaper in for all of us to read the article and he said it was anonymously submitted, so he has no idea who submitted the article and ironically, I have a funny feeling it was him, but again, I digress. So the article basically talked about Willowbrook, what it was before it was a college how people were treated. And then this person went to the baseball field of the college and basically found this grate that he was able to lift up and go down into a tunnel. Now, there were tunnels underground underneath the college because when it was a state school, they would transport patients, students, under the ground in bad weather, um, things like that. So, this article detailed uh, everything that was underneath the buildings. And let me tell you something um, the hairs on my neck stood up. There were gurneys still there, sheets, shackles on the walls. Yeah, you heard that right. Um, It looked like torture devices. Just really disgusting, dirty things. And, you know, he gave such a detailed account of what he had seen with the photos and everything. And it was just like, whoa. So I was like, what better time than this time of year to talk about the real life horrors of what goes on what went on but i have a funny feeling in some parts of the united states things like this still go on with the mentally ill and the physically disabled so just to give you a brief snapshot now this you know this this episode is not at all to be poking fun or you know it's, it's not intended to be, it's you know, it's not a satire or anything like that. This is a real life story of how these people were treated. And just to give you like a brief idea that till this day, 4 million people who suffer from mental illness still go without care in our country. And 3.5 million of those people have severe psychiatric disorders and they receive no treatment, zero so, people with disabilities are many times neglected. Now, my last episode was about dyslexia. And as you know, my son has dyslexia. And by no means is that a severe disability. By no means. And I don't mean to downgrade anyone who has dyslexia, but most dyslexics are fully functional people. And I could tell you just as a parent dealing with a child with a mild ability, right, because I don't like to call it a disability, with a mild issue, it was so difficult for me to get him the help he needed, the interventions he needed for him to succeed. So if it's that hard for a mom to, and if you hear screaming in the background, I'm sorry, I have a Halloween... decoration right outside my window it is a little girl in a cage and she is she constantly she's motion you know motion activated and every time a car drives by she's screaming her head off just imagine how annoying it is for my clients when they come here for a healing session and they're trying to relax and we hear "Ah!" screaming outside anywho again digression digression so If it was that hard for me as a parent to get my child's help, just imagine somebody who is severely disabled or who was given to the state, whose parents said, I wash my hands of this child, I can't help them. So now this child is the state's responsibility. And we all know how that's going to go. So I'm going to link in the uh, episode details, I'm going to link... The website where people can go if they have a loved one or if they know anybody who is mentally or physically disabled and just needs resources or anything like that. So be sure to read the details if you're interested in that information. Okay. Willowbrook, are you ready? So when World War II ended, a large Staten Island facility on 375 acres of land. Basically faced an uncertain future. They didn't know what to do with this huge property and space and these buildings. They had no no idea. First they said maybe we'll, you know, we'll give it to disabled veterans. But ultimately the mayor of the time, Thomas Dewey, I'm sorry, he was the governor, Thomas Dewey, he said no. It's going to be a place where thousands of children who are mentally and physically defective and feeble-minded, okay, those are his words, who can never become members of society are going to go to get their care. So that idea alone, the way he said it, didn't sound too good. But then again, think of the time period and how people were treated. So, So basically... He created he wanted this place to be a school where these children could go and learn and thrive so the willowbrook state school opened in on our in october in 1947 they had 20 mentally disabled patients from all different institutions in the surrounding area and in a very short time willowbrook was overfilled And understaffed and I could tell you from working in mental health it is still that way today just from working in rehab it would be 30 clients to three counselors so think of the care they're really receiving you know it's not easy to take on 15 clients on your caseload it really isn't. I had to do it, so it's it's not an easy task to do to get all of those clients in on, you know, in your eight-hour shifts when you're still having to run groups, you're still having to supervise meals. It's just, it's not realistic. And so this still goes on today. So anyway, you know, by 1955, Willowbrook had 4,000 students. And around that same time, a hepatitis infection, there was a hepatitis outbreak among the patients and staff. (laughs) And a short time later in 1960, an outbreak of measles took place there and killed 60 patients. So what really, like what really went on here? So there was, these students were supposed to have instruction happening and they did but not all the time. So when it did happen, it was only for a handful of cooperative students and only for about two hours a day. So if you were the student who was rocking in the corner or yelling all day, you did not get any kind of instruction or intervention. Horrific, horrific. Imagine the families who, believed in this school and believed that this was going to be great for their child who's disabled. And they put them there and, you know, obviously go home and they think that their, you know, their child is thriving when in fact the child's not. It's, it's terrifying. And especially as a parent, you know, to to entrust your child to these people who are harming them. It's just, It's just on a whole different level of, you know, disappointment and heartache. So Willowbrook, the people that were there were constantly neglected. It was underfunded. It was overstressed. Like I said, the staff, there wasn't enough staff. And in some of the buildings the disabled were literally left to huddle, okay? Because they were so packed to huddle in rooms. They were moaning, fidgeting, just wandering, and they had no care and no resources. Many of them went naked because this school didn't have the funding to clothe them. And those who were given up by the state because a lot of families did that. There she goes, she's screaming outside. Crazy bitch. Um, those who were just given up, you know, to the state had nothing. They only had the clothes they came in with. So most of the times these people were sitting in their urine, in their feces. They had feces smeared all over them. They would smear it on the walls. It was on their clothes. And there was no clothing to clean them up and replace them. Most of them went naked. So, you know, they were just sitting there naked in their own urine and their own feces. And, you know, that gave way to sexual and physical abuse at the hands of the employees as well as fellow patients. So could you imagine how horrifying that is? That is just so hard to wrap my head around. You know, especially in this day and age. Really, really horrific. So, by 1969, Willowbrook was at 6,200 students when it could only hold 4,000. And it was the largest mental institution in the United States. Yet, it also had the most deplorable living conditions. Just think about that for a second. So, 29-year-old Geraldo Rivera, now, you might be young and not know who he is, so let me tell you. Geraldo Rivera, he had a talk show back in, like, I guess, the 90s or whatever, and he also got accused of misconduct and, uh, you know, touching women inappropriately, but before all that, he was an aspiring journalist. He wanted to really make his mark on the world, so he decided to sneak into Willowbrook, and he wanted to cover this story, and he went in there. And at the time he went in, they had about 5,000 patients. So, you know, a little, little less than the 6,000. And he went in with a cameraman. They took photos, which you could get online. You could, you know, you could find them all on the internet, of middle-aged patients sleeping on chairs. Patients huddled, anxious, you know, aimless, just wandering, uh, naked. He saw the neglect and 60% of the population were not toilet trained and 64% could not feed themselves. He said the stench in the rooms was, um, he said, he said the stench in the rooms resembled disease and death just imagine how sickly these people were sitting in their own and breathing in their own emissions like that so he so he did this and a 21-year-old patient who had cerebral palsy you know he was very intelligent he was very smart but he you know he had he struggled speaking and moving but he eloquently explained the environment and he called it a disgrace and he said i i got beaten with sticks belt buckles i got my head kicked into the wall by staff most of the kids sat in the day room naked with no clothes on there was a lot of sexual abuse going on from staff to residents also so this is the account of this patient who was there student, patient. So, you know, at one in one room, there were 45 adolescents huddled with no structure, no companionship, moaning, screaming, rocking back and forth, stinking to high heaven of their urine and feces. And, you know, it's just really terrible. Willowbrook hired recreational aides Without even interviewing them, so they didn't have to have any background, nothing, to work with the mentally disabled, or to work with the physically disabled. And I'm going to tell you that goes on today as well. Because working in, um, I worked in a a men's homeless shelter for people with the disease of, you know, substance substance abuse, disease of addiction, and a lot of the people I worked with just had high school diplomas and I'm not knocking I don't I don't really truly believe we need education to help people I believe we need empathy and compassion to help people but I worked with some women who had no compassion no empathy for the people living in this environment and they were completely mistreated so this still goes on today and a large part of the problem is that the pay is so terrible that you're not getting quality employees. That's that's just definitely, hands down, one of the things that goes on. But, you know, I mean, I made $15 an hour. I could have had a lot less stress and worked at McDonald's for that kind of money at the time. <laughs> so, but it was a stepping stone for me, obviously, in the fields of mental health. But You know, you're giving people $15 an hour to care for others, and they're they're not—they're just—they're not going to do it. They're just not going to do it. It's a lot. It's a hard job. It's stressful. It takes a toll on you, and it's—it's really. So it's my whole point is that it still goes on today. So you know this place willowbrook though you know it was always shady as fuck, always because even in 1955 there was a doctor from new york university dr saul krugman and he decided that he was going to use patients for human experimentation which violates the nuremberg nuremberg code okay And also violates human fucking rights. So this man took these patients that were there at that time and he injected them with hepatitis. Hence that hepatitis outbreak I spoke about earlier. So, like, could you imagine, could you imagine deliberately infecting the mentally disabled patients with hepatitis? He put it in their food, he put it in their food, in their chocolate milk, purposely. I mean, that's sick. That's really sick. So, you know, he was like, oh, it's, it's fine. They're getting little doses of it, and they're not, it's not going to be a problem. Meanwhile, it led to an outbreak. So for those of you who are the Trust Science crew, that was science right there. That was science. Um, just, just insanity to me. It's really just insanity. So he wound up not getting charged with any kind of crimes against humanity because it was in the name of science to do that to people who could not speak up for themselves or fully understand what was being done to them. Beautiful. So, with that said you know everyone who knew that this institution was so horribly run did nothing about it except for Geraldo Rivera and you know obviously he broke the case and in I want to say it was the 80s you know it slowly shut down and everything. And then they decided, what are we going to do with all these buildings? Let's make a college. (laughs) Let's get all young people here. So that's what they did. And I'm not going to lie, the college campus is gorgeous. It really is a beautiful campus. Um, But it had that eerie, weird feeling around it. And so interesting. Not sure if you guys watch the show American Horror Story but they did have a season called Asylum and the creator of American Horror Story said that he got the idea of Asylum based on the Willowbrook State School and the Geraldo Rivera case and, and Geraldo Rivera um, came out just a couple of years ago with a whole thing on this particular school. So it gave way to this whole idea of an institution and everything else. Of course, he did pull some of his information from Bethlehem, which was an institution in England that was established in 1247. So Bethlehem was also nicknamed Bedlam because Bedlam means chaos and the scene of an uproar, confusion. So... It actually was in Shakespeare, poked fun at Bethlehem, and um, it was established by a religious order. So if you watch Asylum from American Horror Story, you learn that the institution, I believe it was Briarcliff was the name of the institution in the show, it was started by a religious order. And in the real one in England... It was the first place where the, the terms mad and lunatic were coined. They would do all sorts of weird therapy. They, would, they did something called rotation therapy, where they would hang a person up in the ceiling on a chair and spin them repeatedly. They would vomit on themselves, because obviously getting spun in circles, it's like being on a tilt world they you know they would vomit and everything and they were they were beaten, starved, they were um, placed in ice cold baths, they had bloodletting where they would cut you know veins and just let them bleed out or they'd have leeches put all over their bodies and have them suck out the disease or whatever they thought they had. Many of them died. And in fact, to get into Bethlehem, you you were you had to be strong enough. And they basically told you that. Like, you know, if you're not strong enough physically, you, we can't take you because that's how much abuse you were gonna undergo. So that's why most of their uh, patients died. And people who were very wealthy in London would pay money to tour Bethlehem as if it were, were a zoo. And they would, you know, sneer and laugh at the people there of the mentally ill. You know, and back in this time period, too, we have to understand that they thought the mentally ill, they thought they were possessed by a demon. They thought they, you know, they didn't have a name for it. They just thought they were mad. And women, some of the therapies for women, I know I'm going a little off here, but when women were depressed, their doctor or their priest would rub their clitoris until they had an orgasm. Because that was one of the therapies to help women come out of their depression. Talk about um being molested <laughs> by your doctor and clergymen. So really, really crazy, crazy things went on. And like I said, being in this field, I can tell you that things still of this nature go on. Things that are completely inhumane. Um, things that are just so heinous on a different level, you know, withholding so i remember when i when i was working in the homeless shelter a man so they weren't allowed to have tea bags because i'm not sure if you know this but working in rehab they could you know we don't give them tea bags because they could smoke their tea bags they can make cigarettes out of them so we had to give them a tea bag and then we had to let them make their tea and then retrieve the tea bag so this man he was an older fellow and he had came he had come to the window and he had asked the staff member if he could have a tea bag all she had to do was turn around literally she had a chair that swiveled she just had to turn around in the chair and go into a little drawer and hand him a tea bag she was so rude and so nasty to this man she said when i'm ready I'm doing something, and she made this man stand outside that door for a good fifteen to twenty minutes until I got up and I got the tea bag. I just couldn't believe that you know this was this was part of her job function, and i was you know i was in I was with a client even though we had a window between us, I could see the man and I could uh, hear him because that was another issue. There was really no privacy. And um, something so simple, right? Like here's a man who's broken. He's on his knees. He surrendered. He came to the shelter because we're going to offer rehab services. He came for help. He's at the lowest point of his life. He has no dignity, right? He's lost all his dignity. And you cannot give him a tea bag. You have to make him feel less than human and make him wait for a damn tea bag. So, you know, I wanted to do this episode, A, because I know it's the creepy season and it is a creepy story, but it also is shedding light on the horrors of how people who are mentally ill and physically disabled are treated, you know, were treated in this country and today are still not treated the way they deserve to be. They're human. They deserve to have respect and dignity and to be treated with grace and kindness, you know, and there needs to still be change. There needs to still be change when it comes to how the mentally ill are treated. So I hope I didn't uh, turn your stomach too much today. (laughs) And if I did, I'm sorry, but we all, this is stuff we need to know. And um, I hope you guys have a really amazing, beautiful day. It's so crisp. If you're especially in the tri-state area of New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, it's so crisp today. It really feels like fall is here and um, October 12th will be my one year anniversary from X-Plant. So I'm going to do an episode on that day in celebration of one year post X-Plant. So with that said, guys, once again, have an amazing day. Thank you always for listening and I'll see you soon.